What's up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 148. I'm your host, Matt Hanschman. I'm here with my close Isaiah Burroughs. Isaiah, what's going on? How's it uh, going? I'm, I'm doing great, man. Thank you. You know, just... How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. You know, pretty solid. Um, Had a lot of flight, not trouble, but just, just a couple long flights getting back here from North Carolina, and that's hence why we had to miss last week's episode. My apologies for that, but um, yeah, I mean... I think it was seven, eight total hours flying back from coast to coast, getting a connecting flight, but it was fun. Did you have like problem with like the layovers or? Nope, not at all. They were just long flights, long both flights. three and a half hours. Had to wait a little bit for my connecting flight to board. So it was a good experience though. It was a lot of fun. So how's you, how have you been? How's everything going for you? It's going good, going good, going good. Um, we only have like a month left of the semester. So it's just like, whoa, like. I, it just it's one of those things that like it creeps up on you so it's like oh i should probably like start thinking about what i'm going to do for like some of these like final projects and assignments or whatever but um yeah no life is going good life is going good uh, it's always good to hear and you're right it's always you know it's all about finishing strong as they say in literally almost any scenario when is dead day is oh i like have... may 6th or may 7th something like that you're asking the wrong guy i didn't even know dead day Last year, I think I just like, I'm not trying to say I slept through it, but you just didn't, it, you didn't. I mean, it's kind of hard to know when we're like in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Do anything for dead day. <laughs> um, I mean, kids still do stuff. I, I don't know if they did like the Mackie uh, tradition last year, but I mean, maybe, I don't know. I never did that anyway, so I have no idea, but yeah, dead. Yeah. And I also like last semester is one of those things where I had like a few finals, like before dead day. And so it's like it really didn't feel like dead day because usually all your finals would be like around like after that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, we missed we didn't miss a whole lot. I mean, just a, like the same uh, weekly sports uh, or spring sports that uh, occurred. Nevada baseball um, had a good weekend, or at least in terms of um, it ended on a good note. The, the first few games weren't necessarily what you want. Um, some good p- pitching performances, though, from Alejandro Murillo and Jake Jackson, though, this week. Um, Owen Schartz did not have the best weekend, but the offense just kind of picked him up. Um, and that, So what happened was Nevada lost two of the three uh, versus Air Force this last weekend. They lost the first two games, two to one and seven to five. Um, Again, Alejandro Murillo pitched well in the first game. I think six innings of uh, one-run ball. And then Jake Jackson had, I believe, five innings of one-run ball, two-run ball, something like that. So, I mean, two good outings from the two starters. Shards didn't necessarily have a great weekend. He had six innings, six or in seven walks. Um, but the offense picked him up. They scored 15 runs. They won 15-9. Um, they had a season-high 23 hits, which I believe was like eight more than like any other game they had this season. Because um, I remember, I think it was in the Fresno game where they had 20 runs. Fresno, and they just exploded offensively. Yeah, but they, it was weird. When looking back on that, they only had like 15 hits. That's the power of the extra base hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so it's like having getting 23 hits in a game. Um, a dominant weekend from Tyler Bassetti, who had five of those hits. He went five for six um, in that game. I believe he hit 667 on the weekend. Had like four doubles, four Outrageous. RBIs, a couple runs scored. Like he had a... He, had a great weekend. Yeah, named Wolf, named Wolf Pack, named Wolf Pack, student athlete of the week. I mean, he was off to a little bit of a slow start, but now he's just firing in all cylinders. It's great to see. I mean, we're seeing the offense really click and seeing some of the pitching performances come out. It just needs to kind of straighten out into a, a finished product game by game. You don't always see that, and hence why we haven't gotten off to the best start this season. But Plenty of season remains and plenty of optimism remains too, because we're going to be rounding the corner into conference play too. So, yeah, it helps good. when like guys like Dawson Martin go four for six, Matt Clayton goes three for five, Marco Valenzuela from the nine hole goes four for five with three RBIs. Like just a lot of really good performances all around in that specific game. Nevada's now 8-12 and 12 on the year. Um, I believe they're fourth in the Mountain West um, at 5-7. and seven. Yeah, I mean, if there's any optimism to that is despite the slow start in our non-conference slate, 
we're still kind of in the thick of things heading into conference play so now's the time to kind of rev it up and see what this team is kind of truly capable of you know on both sides of the ball in a lot of ways but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, but you said it I mean just a solid performance one through nine last game out and if we get some of that I mean it can really take over almost any poor pitching performances which you don't always really rely upon in a lot of ways so there's there's optimism there's optimism and we're starting to see the bats just click continuously now so I mean, we had one run in the first yeah. game just got to start seeing it they come into a finished product results yeah. i mean i don't think we're going to expect 15 run outbursts every game um but get five six seven eight nine runs hopefully each game at least um to hopefully string together some wins because i mean their last two series they haven't won um, I believe the Fresno series was the last series they came out on top. So um, just to kind of get some consistent performances throughout or try to find some consistent performances and hopefully we're able to, again, string oh, string some series wins and string some just wins in general Yeah. Um, into this final stretch, as you mentioned. But anyways, uh, speaking of wins, yeah. <laughs> without even trying, let's talk about Nevada softball. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I this mean, is the the greatest I mean, of all greats right here. I mean, they didn't allow a hit the entire weekend. No hitter for three straight games. Perfect I mean, game. Just perfect game. I'm sorry. Yeah. What am I even talking about? Yeah, his. I mean, just. I mean, amazing stuff. <laughs> but you, could, really, you couldn't have done better. Oh, you really couldn't have. No. But no, for Nevada softball, uh, there was no series this weekend because of COVID-19 issues on San Jose State's side, who they were originally slated to play against. Uh, and just the softball program. Let me let me yeah, clarify that as well. Program. Just the COVID-19 issues with the San Jose State softball program. Isaiah, do you want to hear a fun stat? Let me hear that. Kendall Fritz didn't allow a run or a hit or a walk. What's new? No, yeah, what is new? <laughs> For this, any of, none yeah, of the Nevada pitchers yeah. did. For this reason, um, they were considered forfeits. So... When a team has to forfeit, so win on the other side. So this is really, um, it hasn't really technically been added to the season record yet, but it will be by regular season's end. So we kind of already did the math for you right now because we're already kind of seeing in terms of conference play how this could help Nevada softball. Nevada was already, was only two and a half games back of Fresno State, who's eight and one in conference play right now. They, now yeah, they're just, they, were, they were four and two. And then now, with the three straight wins, they've moved to seven. And two. Yep. Now we're just seven and two. Awesome. One game back. One game back. And just like that, Technic- boom. Technically. Te- yeah, Technic- technically. Technicalities. Here. It's still weird. Like, there's still some things to kind of iron out on that side. But just, hey, we'll take them. And you know what? I, you know, maybe not a sweep from uh the Nevada softball side, but I was confident they were at least gonna take the series just with the way they were performing regardless. But um Why is... don't they, my question is like why don't they count until the end of the regular season? Why can't they just add them now? I maybe it's maybe rescheduling purposes I was thinking, but, but that if is it's gonna already be so forfeit, tough. If That's... it's already a forfeit, then why wouldn't they Isaiah, do you want to call the Mountain West right now? See. I'll call up Craig Thompson if you'd like. You wanna do it right now? I'm all right. <laughs> I don't have his number. So. I don't have his number either. I wish I did. Then why'd you say you'd call? I'll find him. Okay. And I'll see him. He's right. probably at the Joe right now, in all honesty. He's probably just he might eat, be. eating it up at the Porta Subs or something. Porta Subs at uh, 9.40 in the morning. Just <laughs> <laughs> your day off, right? <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that you bring up a good question. And uh, just regardless, I mean... Heck, we'll take it. I know it's going to be added to the season's end, but oh well. Yeah, Keep I don't, pushing. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's just like a con. It's that just confuses me. Why yeah, it wouldn't be because if it's a forfeit, like I get if it's a postponement and you're trying to f- like reschedule the games for the end of the season. Um, but these are like they count as forfeits, so I don't know why you just can't slap them onto the record. Yeah, just immediately. But, yeah. Oh well. I yeah, guess we'll see. I mean, it also happened this year with the. I mean, I know this is unrelated, but it happened with I think San Diego State in basketball. They had like I I can't remember what their exact record was off the top of my head, um, but they had a couple games forfeit, and it was just like, wait, when you look at the standings, like they weren't like runaway conference champions until like of course the regular season's end, and then they finally like tacked on the two wins. I believe it was against New Mexico. Um, 
I, I think I'm not 100% sure on that, but like they, it still had like, oh, these, they're like automatic conference champions. And it's just like, wait, it doesn't, the math doesn't add up here. And then it's like, oh, they have some forfeits that on the book. So, I mean, you add those in and they are like undisputed regular season conference champions. But it was just like weird. Like, why can't you just add them? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess it's just kind of a testament to what this year's been. <laughs> just a lot of forfeits, a lot of cancellations, and a lot of rescheduling having to be. It's, 20, it's 2021. Things just don't add up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's been this year thus far. <laughs> Things just don't add up. But, um, you know, just keeping on with this weekly spring sports recap. You have 20 seconds to tell me everything else. That you know, I did that last two podcasts ago. I will not your be time, making no, that your mistake. No, ti- your time is right you, now. You're at 17 seconds now. No, sir. Well, men's tennis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, men's tennis beat Air Force four to three. It was the first conference game of the season. They now move to five and five on the year, considering their slow start to the season. They're really picking it up. I think you're twenty seconds right. I think it, I think it is, but they I, they I, are I worthy of it. Running. Their game against uh, UC Davis <laughs> on March twenty eighth was canceled, unfortunately, as well as last Wednesday's game against Sacramento State, which was postponed. Um, but. It lost both to it lost both of the contests this weekend. Fell to Utah forty three and New Mexico forty zero. So now the team is five and seven on the year and one and one in Mountain Conference play. So it... wait, you, were you gonna say something? Sorry for it. No, no, is that a buzzer beater? I was no, little... no, 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 no. I was gonna say in women's tennis. In oh, <laughs> like say they had four straight losses. I mean, yeah. I guess I already spoiled that. Yeah, yeah. You lost four straight games, unfortunately, to UNLV, SDSU, SJSU, and Fresno State. Um, no, just kind of a rough start to the season for them. But uh, going into men's golf, men's golf had some really high points this year. Uh, this year, I'm sorry. At the recent tournament, they finished sixth in a 2018 pool at the Goodwin, held in Stanford, California. It was the second turn- tournament on the year where Nevada's finished in the top ten. And who led the way? None other than Sam Harnand, who finished tied for first with 10 under. Impressive stuff there. Impressive, impressive stuff. Uh, coming right behind him at tied for thirty, uh, tied for thirty third at the event was Brendan McDougald at a plus three, tied for sixty eight was Sam Meek at ten over, tied for ninety seventh was Michael Saro at plus fourteen, and then tied for one hundred sixteenth was Trey Davis, at a plus sixteen. So those were the final results. But Harden led everyone in the field. He also led the whole tournament with sixteen birdies. Imagine being so good at golf, you can birdie not only once. But 16 times over the course of a tournament. I, can, I can't even do that I, in, like, mini-golf. I can't even well, do like, that. Yeah. Okay, at least the mini-golf course that I, I played at was, like, a par two. And so pretty much the whole <laughs> one was a birdie, and I can't do that. So. It's tough out there, man. I'm not good at golf. I, Are you good at golf? No. Are you not? Have you, I would, when was the last time you went to go uh, hit on the range? Last year. Or last year, I, I played uh, 24 holes, funny enough. 24? 24. Where? It was at uh, the Dayton Valley Golf Course. Okay. Funny enough, and we were supposed to play nine. It got so dark by hole six, we had to kind of call it off. Because we played two whole rounds. Oh, uh, we played a whole round. And then we were like, let's play another nine. No, it didn't happen. But just Sam Harden. I'm sorry. That just reflects it back to just how good of a performance he had. Because uh, I bet everyone knows just the regular average schmojo, birdies, let alone pars. You know, pars, let alone birdies, I should say, are so hard to come by. So just a dominant performance on what's been a really great season for Harnan and Nevada golf as a whole thus far. Really strict. Golf is ever. hard, man. It is. A lot of respect for the people who play it. Facts. Big facts. Uh, women's golf finished fifth among a uh, 20-team tournament in the Cowgirls Classic last weekend, and they finished 23 over par. Uh, the pack were the top finishers among the Mountain West because – uh, as Boise State finished a plus 40, finished 8th in the event, and then Wyoming, the host of the tournament itself, placed 10th at plus 51. So really good job on their part. Uh, we'll go into some women's soccer for uh, kind of like the tail end stretch of their season. They lost 1-0 to at Boise State. This last weekend it lost 3-1 to against Fresno State, but they did have their first goal since March 19th, so that was a, a high point in that regard. Then they followed it up. With a what is zero loss to San Jose State, it still hasn't won a game this year. They dropped to oh six and oh six and two with two games left to go, and maybe they can find a win on the win column because their upcoming matchup against uh, their upcoming matchup is against none other than in-state rival UNLV. So if you want to get a win in any certain game, maybe that could be a big one. 
Yeah, and they also uh, got, I think, their final game of the season against San Diego State on Sunday. So. Two big conference wins, hopefully, to kind of finish off the regular season. So At home, too. They're both at home, I should say. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So um, now Nevada did fall 1-0. to Nevada women's soccer to UNLV earlier this year. But, you know, nothing like some home crowd, some home cooking, as they say. So try to finish what's been a really rough season on a high note. Uh, do you want to get into women's track and field? I mean, you're stretching over there. You're looking, you're looking uh, relaxed. I mean, if you want to. It's 940 in the morning, bro. Yeah. I got to get my uh, portisons. <laughs> yeah, meet Craig Thompson while you're at it. No. Um, yeah, Nevada had a couple uh, track and field events since. Or track and field, I should say, tournaments. Um, since we last discussed, they had the Bobcat Invitational where three Nevada, uh, three Nevada uh, track stars got first place. Uh, Emily Costello finished first in the 200-meter dash. Raven Neely finished first in the triple jump. And Nicole Otter, as we well know, finished first place in the high jump at 1.73 meters. Um, and then this last weekend, we had the Mountain West Challenge. And Costello uh, finished... Second in the 400-meter dash, she leaped her previous record um, in the 400-meter dash. She went, She was already fourth place in school history um, with the best time, and now she leaped that mark to second place. Um, she finished with a time of 54 seconds, 40 milliseconds, and then Alicia Pulaski, uh finished first in the high jump with a height of 1.7 meters, um, a personal best for her. And then Tabitha Walford, and Stephanie Ortega uh, did very well in the long-distance events. Uh, Walford finished first with a personal best in the 1,500 uh, meters. And then Stephanie Ortega, who finished fourth in the 1,500 meters, got second in the 3,000 meters. Uh, or is it, do you call it 3,000 or 3,100? Oh, 3,000. 3,000. Yeah. Okay. That's the dumbest question I've ever asked on this. Yeah, that, was, that one was pretty bad. That was pretty <laughs> that bad. Was pretty bad. Um, and then uh, a couple of runners, I'm not going to pronounce their names because I don't know how to, uh, were in personal pass in the 100 meters and the 400 meters, and then uh, nearly finished third in the triple dump with a distance of 11.61 meters. And then today we have a couple uh, going in the heptathlon, um, which is the 100-meter hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200 meters, long jump, javelin, and 800 meters. And that would be Nicole Otter, Hannah Smart, and Anna Maria uh, Sommerfield will compete in those events today. Yeah, well, good luck. and I think that was longer than 20 seconds. It was, but they deserve more recognition in that matter. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying for, like, I gave you 20 seconds. And yeah. We definitely surpassed that mark. Do so want me okay. to give you 25 next time? Yeah, yeah, I'll knock it out of the park. No, <laughs> good luck to everyone in that turn, in that heptathlon as well. And definitely. It'll definitely. be fun. Just a really – it just seems like every other event, someone from the Nevada women's track and field team is just smashing a, a Nevada record or making a – you know, moving past on the Nevada all-time list. So it's so cool to see. That's always kind of cool and historic. So awesome. Yeah, that kind of wraps things up on that end. So everything else is, you know, up for grabs, as they say. Yeah, what do you want to talk? I, I, we should probably uh, – A.J. Brahma yeah. did not commit to Nevada. I guess we – I think we guessed Did we right. both predict ASU? Yeah, I think yeah. we did predict ASU. And at that time, ASU was the late addition to the list – Mm-hmm. I think we both, if if I if if we're correct, I think we both picked ASU. But oh well, it's okay, AJ. <laughs> Nevada still has one more scholarship to fill. Yeah. Again, in wait, did we talk about two scholarships that tra- entered the portal? No, we did not. Unfortunately, that's why. Okay, I was, well, I was gone during right. this time. All right, we're gonna take a little break, and we'll be right back. And we are back. Um, yeah, we didn't even. I can't. I I want to say we did, but I guess we didn't. We uh, two Nevada players entered the transfer portal. Um, this is something we would have talked about on last week's episode if it happened. But um, two notables. Did, did you? Did we guess any of these correctly? I think we guessed. I think we said Kane. You probably. said Kane. Yeah. So Kane Milling. And Zane Meeks both entered the transfer portal. It doesn't look like they're coming back because, um, I mean, we all know that you can enter the transfer portal and eventually return to the school. Um, 
but I don't. In all likelihood. Yeah, in all likelihood, I don't think they're coming back. That's just like kind of like an opinion thing. But um, Meeks was a pretty integral part to this team this last year, I would say. Uh, he averaged nine points a game, led the team in rebounding. He missed like I believe the I think it was like the final like six games, five games, something like that, um, with the with uh, a right knee issue. I think it was right knee tendonitis. And I mean that's just that's kind of a blow because it's like you have Will Bay walking in the door and you don't necessarily know how he's going to perform. And like Zane again was an integral part to this team and he really helped with the floor spacing when he was on the floor. Um, and so losing him to the portal is kind of a blow. But then again, like how many minutes was he going to get with Baker? Yeah, it's a because from from what I know, like Baker's kind of a, like a similar player mm-hmm. in terms of like the floor spacing and the physicality down low a little bit. The, the size, the high, yeah, the size, and it was just I don't know how much. Did maybe his minutes were going to get cut in half or not cut in half, but get diminished? Cut, yeah, diminished not considerably, but. Maybe like a few minutes a game. I don't know. No, it. I mean, with Zane Meeks, that departure is gonna hurt, mm-hmm. regardless of the addition of Will Baker and who else we can add for that last scholarship. But you know, I just wanted to give credit to him because, for a player his size, he battled down low against some of the conference's biggest guys. And I mean, this year in particular, his rebounding efforts were on full display. It seemed like each each time he was healthy and on the offensive end to be able to always stretch the floor and be able to kind of shoot without hesitation was a skill set that I think this kind of young team really needed. I think some of the young players really kind of learned off of him, despite him being a young player as well. Being From that four spot, too. Yeah, he was crucial, like you said. And, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. And I think we talked about this a few podcasts ago. You know, it's always a tough decision, but we wish everyone the best. I Mm -hmm. mean, you have to do what's best for you and your future. So it's... I think maybe Meeks saw a little bit of the writing on the wall in terms of his role, maybe not expanding at Nevada. And, you know, if he can find somewhere else where he can be that, and I truly do think he can and will find that spot, then all power to him. But that was a little bit of a surprising, you know, name you could say, but the more thought you put behind it, the more it kind of makes sense in that regard too. Yeah, I think I asked you when we first discussed this topic if you would be one that would enter the portal, and we both kind of said, like, no. And we both got, kind of thought he would be back. But, um, yeah, we wish we definitely wish Zane the best. I mean, Zane was awesome in these two years with the program. Um, he was kind of just thrusted in as a freshman, and um, hopefully he can sus- sustain success um, in his final two years of eligibility wherever he goes. Um, I don't think that's come out yet at least as far as I know where um, he's slated to go. Um, the same thing with Kane Milling. I'm pretty sure – I think Kane's role would be diminished or would have been diminished on this team just with the addition of Addison Patterson. Um, we definitely wish Kane the best too. I mean, he was a he was a secondary ball handler, sometimes a lead ball handler off the bench. I mean, he had a couple of games uh, late in the season um, to where he could provide that, like, shooting spark. Um, I mean, he the shooting numbers weren't always there. But like if you can get him in like the catch and shoot, he would he was uh, a lot better. Um and I thought he I thought he was a pretty, I guess, important piece too at times, um, this last season and throughout his two years uh with this program too. Um and so hopefully he can also uh find and sustain sustain success um elsewhere. Yeah. His final two years of eligibility. Definitely. I mean, I think we saw some offensive growth with him. Definitely. From one year to the next. And, you know, his um his role didn't diminish this year. In fact, his responsibilities on the floor kind of increased. Maybe not from a scoring perspective, but whenever one of, you know, Desmond Cambridge or Grant Sherfield were off the floor, he was really relied upon to be that secondary ball handler and to kind of run the offense. And in a lot of ways, I thought it was very promising to see him score, you know, hit those double-figure marks towards the end of the season, kind of be that third scored especially, you know, make a couple of um, key baskets late. And if we see more of that, he can be a really, really special player. And, you know, just it's one of the, you know, it's one of the things when your program's getting better with a lot more transfers, with a lot more players who want to join your team and your program. And it's just, it is what it is at times. And with Kane, I think you mentioned it too. Just, I think you hit the nail on the head. With the addition of Addison Patterson, now you have three sustainable ball handlers he 
could have been the one on his way out in terms of diminished playing time and limited playing time, I should say. And it's just it's just tough. But one of the things I did notice with Meeks and Milling, for that matter, too, was Alford's, you know, we saw Alford dip his hands into some of the overseas talent. And those two really were some of the bright spots of that kind of direction he was heading because we didn't really see that much with Musselman and some other previous coaches. But you saw that well, with Well, it's just with Kane. I mean, Zane is, I think, from here. Zane is from here. But he also had experience overseas as well. So that's what I was trying to say. It's like oh, okay. experiencing, you know, finding some of that film and finding some of that, you know, just taking a chance on a couple guys like that and really build them into collegiate players was really cool. And we wish, I know we keep saying this, we wish both of them nothing but the best because they really had an impact on our team. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, there was someone, I believe it was yesterday or two years ago, um, that has Nevada on his initial list of programs. And this is a guy, he, he this guy I, I like really like watching play. I only watched him play a couple times. But Tanner Groves of Eastern Washington, he feasted. Um, in, uh, yeah, it was the NCAA tournament. He was, yeah, he, he's awesome. And, I mean, there were several schools on his list. And let's see if I can pull it up. But I don't think Nevada is going to be one of those finalists, but it's just like, whoa, like. I think there was like a list of like 15, 20 schools on there. Um, and Tanner Groves, I mean, was, I believe, the Big Sky Player of the Year. Yeah, that's impressive. Having that to your resume. And he did put on a show, didn't he? During yeah, the he was really good in the NCAA tournament. He was. Now, that's another potential addition. Just, you know, cross your fingers in that regard. And you're seeing Nevada at least be somewhat of a contender, you know, for, you know, athletes who want to. We want to change of scenery, some high-profile guys, and it's been promising to see despite, you know, Brahma leaving for another program and not choosing Nevada, at least being in consideration at least says something in that regard. How many schools? I see you have the list. I up. have, I'm, I'm like, close to 20. That is a long list. <laughs> um, but some of the schools that involved this list were, I mean, Arkansas, Knock Knock Musman. Oh, boy. <laughs> Musman, of course, always uh, dabbling into the uh, transfer portal. Um, Virginia Tech, Stanford, Virginia, uh, San Diego State, and Colorado State were two Mountain West notables that were on that list. Um, Maryland, Tulsa, BYU. So it's that's a pretty pretty good list. Texas. Wow. Yeah, that's a uh, loaded list. Uh, with Chris Beard now. Um, See a Shaka Smart? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have picked him in that final four. I I had no I didn't pick him to go to the final four. Actually, wait, in one of mine I did, but it was my one that I did really well. Uh, but they were the one. I shouldn't have done it. I should lesson have learned. Yeah, lesson learned. No, I no, that's an intriguing, intriguing angle we can go off of. And if he does, if we do make the final cut, wow, that'd what be an, sick. That'd be so awesome. One <laughs> addition, but we'll see. We'll keep our eyes out on that part, and you know, just going forward. I know we keep talking about it, and it's in the off season right now. So, just Nevada basketball has a chance to be really good. <laughs> I think we keep seeing them sneak up in some preseason top twenty fives and get some serious. And if they're not in the top twenty five, they're getting some secret buzz to potentially sneak into it. So, you know, just a lot of talent being added to this program and new faces, new roles. It's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Honest question. Answer with your utmost honesty. I need you to be honest, Abe, for like five minutes. Do you honestly think Nevada is going to start the season as a top 25 team? No. No. Just don't think they have the pedigree at this point. Okay. I you mean, think I... if Nevada won the Mountain West Championship or at least made the Mountain West Championship, they would have been a top 25 team? I think it would have increased the chances, especially. I but... agree. I totally right. Like, obviously, a deeper, you know, more of a, a deeper standing in your conferences tournament would have helped, especially when, you know, that tournament did bo did boast, I should say, two Mountain West teams in Utah State and San Diego State, albeit both were eliminated as we talked about. But just kind of getting that recognition in that in that regard to see the added talent coming into next year, yeah, that would have maybe changed my perspective. But right now, in all honesty, I don't see them 
entering the year as a top 25 team. Do you see them in that regard? or I'm with you. I don't. When I've talked to people um, or when I've talked to people about this team next year who don't necessarily like know how good this team can be, I, I put it in like the fringe top 35, top 40 category, kind of around there, kind of that little like area. Um, but I do think this team can be a tournament team. Yes. I think I, I have been on record saying that, um, or at least if I haven't been, I am now. I think Nevada can make the NCAA tournament next year, and I think there's a I don't want to say a good chance because it all depends on how they do in non-conference play, but I do think there's a legitimate chance they can make the NCAA tournament. And there's also a very legitimate chance they're the best team in the Mountain West next year. I would probably put Colorado State above them in that regard, but I still do think there's, like, if Nevada, if everything clicks, and, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but I think Steve Alford has done a tremendous job with this program and better than people have expected him to. I think he can, like, mold this group together. Definitely. He's from what we've seen in these first two years. These first two years have been impossible jobs for him. Not impossible, but they've been very – It's it, on the surface, at least in the off seasons, it's looked rough just because of the roster turnover, and he's put together two really good seasons with this program. Oh. I don't, there's nothing for me to believe that he can't do it a third time with the team that he's bringing back, or at least – Bringing back and adding is uh, to yeah. that point too. And so, like, because I mean, this is going to be his first off season to where he has like returners. <laughs> he has people. He has doesn't have a whole lot of roster turnover, and he has people who um, have been with the program for more than one year. You didn't have that this first year. No, I mean, I think it was evidenced by. I mean, well, the, hey, he, I should say. Well, should, okay. in the first year, in he the did, first he year, because he brought back Lindsey and Jazz. He really had to convince. Yeah, but a few guys, but people who have played under him before. No, yeah, that's a great point, and that's something that needs to be kind of stated, because it was evident those first two preseason Mountain West Conference polls had us finishing in the bottom five of the conference both times. No, no, not in the bottom five. I'm sorry. So we were. We were like. Were we sixth and seventh this like back to back years? No, I think we were third and third and sixth or fourth and sixth something like that. Regardless, because we, I guess, I remember like in the Musselman era, we we had a streak of like being in the top five or like at least like the top three in like preseason polls. Um, I remember writing about this too. I can't, can't believe I can't remember, but um, I believe we were fourth and sixth or third and sixth, something like that. But we weren't in that top echelon as we were um, under Musselman just because our teams weren't as good and there was question marks, especially coming into this year where we were so. Yeah, definitely. Either way, we exceeded expectations, mostly in the regular season. I know we've had a couple of disappointing finishes in the Mountain West Conference Tournament these past two years, but like you said, I just think there's plenty of optimism with returning players and just getting these new transfers. It's going to be exciting in a lot of ways, but with that being said, I just don't see them entering the year as a top 25 team. I just don't see it yet. I think you kind of hit it. You kind of said it perfectly. Those teams in the top 35, 40. Yeah. I, those I are teams. That, don't sleep on them. No. Don't sleep no, on them because they can easily be in the top 25 by the, you know, by season's end or something like that or sneak into it if things go their favor and a few teams fall out, which inevitably happens throughout the course of a year or so. Right. Like there's, I think there's, there's going to be an opportunity this year. Or I mean, this is speaking way ahead of myself, but I do think there's an area or, at least a time period this year where Nevada could squeak into the top 25. Yeah. Like, I really do yeah. think, like, if Nevada's playing consistently good basketball on both ends of the floor, um, squeak out a couple, uh, maybe if there's a quad two team on the schedule, like a, a road victory or something like that against a quad two or quad one team, um, I think there's definitely a case for Nevada to be in the top 25. Or there's a case that they could make the top 25 throughout the year at yeah, some point. Definitely. And one thing you can also hopefully hang your hat on by next year's knock on wood, a COVID-free regular season. You saw yeah. throughout the Mountain West Conference, and you saw how it impacted Nevada towards the tail end of the of the season. I mean, playing some of our best basketball, all of a sudden COVID-19 hits on our side, you know, a big hiatus in that regard, and saw us come out a little bit flat before we finished the season on a high note. It's just things like that can 
really steer away a season in some points. It's not still not a viable excuse by any means. I'm not trying to say that, but it's just something to hang your hat on for college sports, you know, Division One athletics and college sports in general. Hopefully by next year to just see what teams are truly capable of playing their assigned opponents like it's supposed to happen, but... I can only imagine. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before, but what if Nevada, what if that didn't happen? Yeah, you never know. Nevada could, they would have gotten two against San Jose State. They would have gotten two against Colorado State. Maybe Nevada wins both of those games against Colorado State. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, we saw, at least in the final regular season game, that Nevada was capable of beating them once, just twice. I mean, that, the, the, I would, that was a battle. That was. Um Again, Nevada's playing consistent. They were playing consistently good basketball. Who's to say they wouldn't? Um, have, they wouldn't have played as bad. I, at least I don't think they would have against Utah State. Um, and it's also like hindsight twenty twenty. How bad were those losses against Wyoming? They came How back bad to were those you. losses against that loss against Air Force? Hunt. I mean, this happens in a regular season. I mean, you lose games sometimes that you're not supposed to lose, but. Um, Again, a couple of those went Nevada's way. You never know. We're looking at a completely, potentially completely different season for this team, or at least on the surface. Yeah, especially with the postseason seeding and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to win those games, and who knows? You know, credit to Utah State and San Diego State for making it out to that point, and you know, just heading into next year. You touched on it briefly, even with the added talent and potential returners to Nevada. How good is Colorado State going to be next year? It's they're going to be really good, man. It's they're going to be so exciting. That's one of the teams that I'm really looking forward to just watching throughout the course of the year because wow, they they really made some strides this year. They got so they got some good young talent. Big fan of just what they're building there too, and they have a chance to be special as well. Do you want to talk about Craig Smith? Yeah, why not? You know what? I mean, that's we, tough, man. Yeah. That's tough. For at least speaking from a Utah State perspective, I know this is a Nevada sports podcast, so this is a little like off brand and off topic. But that's, I mean, objectively speaking, for Utah State, like that's tough. That is tough. That hurts. Craig Smith is a really good coach, and it's not even like going out of state. I mean, you're going to Utah. I mean, I, at least I'm not, I'm not delved into that like Utah State like. Fanhood, obviously, so I don't know how big of rivals they actually are. Um, But I'm sure there's not the prettiest of blood there. No, it can't be just be all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. And the fact that, like you said, he leaves but stays in state. A little bit of a big yikes. But, you know, chasing another bigger opportunity, I can't always blame him in that regard. No, no. How will that impact Utah? I'm speaking from, like, a Utah state state perspective. I mean, they've had – Arguably the best team in the conference. Um, the past, what, three? Or not arguably the best team. They're not better than San Diego State by any means. So scratch that I said that at all. But they've been one of the best teams in the conference for the last few seasons at least. Um, they've been in the NCAA tournament, I believe, two times. They couldn't squeak out a win um, in those two opportunities. I mean, Smith's been here for the last three years. He's been tremendous with that, yeah. with their, with that program. Yeah, it's, um, Utah State can look a little bit different, you know, without Smith, potentially without Kata, if he decides to enter the NBA draft. And he's a, he's entered. He is. Is that already official? Yeah, he. I mean, he I'm a, pretty sure he, he ha- didn't keep his eligibility, but um. he and he has a good chance of getting plucked. If there's anyone um, in the Mountain West this year in terms of draft prospects who will enter the NBA draft that will be drafted, I'd put my money on Kata this year, and we saw his impact against. Nevada, those two games, and I mean, that guy was a dominant force on both ends of the floor, and it's just, you know, Utah State can look a little bit different by next year, and maybe that's something Nevada can take advantage of, potentially. Yeah, they hired uh, Ryan Odom from UMBC. You think Utah State makes a 16 seed? Like, beats Gonzaga or something? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fingers crossed. Speaking of that, I was wondering about that. If we do have time, I briefly your thoughts on the UCLA Gonzaga Final Four. You know, Jalen Suggs buzzer beater. Is that the greatest college game you've ever seen? I would say one of them. 
Thank you. Uh, I would say one of them. Um, I would agree. I know. I mean, I didn't even get to watch the entire game um, because, I mean, I was doing uh, stuff for the Miami Heat that night, and I only caught the tail end. I believe, like, the last, like, 10 minutes of regulation of that game, or at least, like, 5, 10 minutes, Um, and then I saw the overtime. Um, But it certainly was one of the best. Yeah. I would say the one game that kind of – it's up there for me. Was the national championship? I believe it was in 2016, where it was North Carolina Villanova. That was definitely one of the best games to watch when Jenkins Chris hit Jenkins. That, yeah, Chris Jenkins hit that buzzer-beating uh, three to win the title. Dude. I mean, I don't know. For me, like the, I only remember watching like the end of that game, and it was just like, whoa! Like Kendall Marshall hits that. In- no, 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 no. Marcus Page. Kendall Marshall was drafted in 2011. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah Marcus yeah, yeah, Page. Yeah. 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 Lefty, mix. both lefty yeah, guards. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mix it up. Yeah. Um, but he hits that shot, and it was just like, wait, that was like an insane shot. And then like Chris Jenkins comes back on the other end and hits the buzzer beating three. three. I mean, you don't know. But the, again, the level of difficulty of Suggs' shot compared to Jenkins' shot, like Suggs' shot was yeah. way more difficult. So no, it was. I and I only brought that up because like similar to to uh you i only watched the last four minutes of it for now i was kind of on quote-unquote you could say vacation because i was in north carolina but mm-hmm. i fell asleep on the carpet see um what time was it over? it was 11 oh, is, it, is yeah. it three hours ahead yeah or it's a three hours ahead so i was not ahead. used to that mm-hmm. so i immediately passed out and then i woke up i, I kind of like rubbed my eyes i was like was, uh, UCLA, 68, Gonzaga, 64. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I watched closely from that point, and, yeah, the, the Suggs buzzer beater was pretty insane. I thought the Johnny Juzang, uh, get your own rebound, my guy, follow it back up for the score. I, I that's That sucks, too, because just being able to follow your shot in the clutch like that was so cool. Props to Johnny Juzang. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that that buzzer beater was cool. But I totally agree with you. I don't watch a ton of college basketball, as evidenced by the last podcast. But um, one of the things that one of my favorite, probably my favorite NCAA tournament game of all time was that Villanova UNC game. Just because like the Marcus Page shot was absolutely outrageous, and then. Chris Jenkins buzzer beater right after for the national championship, nonetheless. Yeah, like final four to get into the championship was awesome too. But just want to get your thoughts on that. There was another really good game I watched. Um, Nevada Boise State twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of, well, I mean, of course, if we're talking like legendary college basketball games here, I mean, I know it's not on the spectrum of that at all. But the Nevada New Mexico. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean you can't come on. From a Nevada, fi- come on, come on. That's a that's a hey. I mean, Nevada Cincinnati in the tournament. Nevada Cincinnati was, was another very good one. There was one Nevada um, Texas was all that I watched at a buddy's house, and it was like 2010. It was the Indiana Kentucky game. Have you seen highlights of that game? No, no. I I was the Christian Wofford three. Why does that sound so familiar? Yeah, it like... was like he hit a three at home. Um, Kentucky was the top ranked team in the nation. Buzzer beating three, and it was like a famous like Dan Shulman call. That must have been iconic. It was insane. I'm trying to remember what year it was. I'm trying to find it. Another another good game that comes to mind. I think it was the 2011, maybe 2010. I think it was 2010. Duke Butler. Oh yeah and the, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. The, what yeah. if Gordon Hayward hit that shot for the win? It was like a half quarter that just clanked off the back of the rim, just barely missed. It was almost like Jalen Suggs-ish. It just didn't get all that backboard. Yeah, I saw. I remember seeing a tweet after it was like, Jalen Suggs hit the shot that Gordon Hayward like should have hit or something like that. That's a pretty darn good tweet. I um, wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was this? I'm trying to. I keep. I don't know um, why. I don't know why. As you're looking for that, I don't know why this is so random. I just remember that Duke Wisconsin. 
national championship with Frank Kaminsky. Oh yeah. yeah oh boy. No, I, I just found it. It was oh uh, sweet, yeah. Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky, Indiana in twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Kentucky won the title that year, but like yeah. Chris oh yeah, that was with Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. That team was loaded. That team went undefeated, if I'm not mistaken. No, they lost. I'm, I'm talking about a game they lost. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. I'm dumb. I'm gonna uh, tell you guys right now. I'm dumb. Um. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. This was the team with uh, Miami Heat legend Victor Oladipo. Um, oh my yeah. Christian Wofford hit a three. Seventy-three, seventy-two. Um. <laughs> Wofford had twenty points that game. Four of six from deep. Yeah, it was like, yeah, you got to look that up. It was an insane shot. I definitely will. Why did I think, oh, they went undefeated that year. They lost. <laughs> they lost, Isaiah. But that, that I, are you remembering that, that freaking freshman, you know, basically that all-freshman squad Kentucky had with Anthony Davis, Mike yeah. Kikil Chris. They went one and two in the 2012 NBA draft that year. Terrence and Jones. Terrence, wow. What a name. Terrence Jones, Marcus who went Teague. to the, uh, Marcus Teague, who went to the Bulls. Uh, Terrence Jones went to the Rockets. Michael K. Gilchrist went number two to the Bobcats at the time. Anthony Davis was 101. That draft was loaded because that had Damian Oladipo Lillard. Went to the Magic. Number Who? two overall, Oladipo. That, was that 2012? Am I thinking of 2013? That was the 2013 draft, I think. I thought 2012. No, no. 2012 was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Anthony yeah, yeah, Davis. Yeah, yeah. That was the Davis, Dame Lillard. Well, I'm just talking about Barnes. like people, players who went high yeah. picks. But yeah, no, Oladipo was the 2013. Anthony Bennett 101 that year. Yeah. I don't know why we're just going off on these weird tangents. It's just been, I don't know. What are some other college basketball games? I mean, um, one of the, what's the favorite college basketball game you went to live? Nevada-Fresno State 2018-19. Really? Yeah, that was a favorite game I've ever covered, too. I mean, it was so, you know, at that point, Nevada locked up. Um, obviously, they were already ranked. Um, I think they were number seven in the nation at that time. They kind of had the uh, at least one of the best records in the tournament locked up. They already had a top two seed locked up, but just the game itself was so crazy. I don't know if you, I know we covered it together, but Deshaun Taylor just went, "Hey guys, get on my back for Fresno State." I think he dropped thirty-two points, and for I'm Nevada, fact check you on that. yeah, just yeah, be, go ahead, I, please do, please do. <laughs> and one of I'm the only kidding. one of the only reasons Nevada won that game was because of Treshawn Thurman. Thurman was just. That was probably the best game I've ever seen Trayshawn Thurman play in person. Just an absolutely tremendous game. I think he even had like a couple blocks mixed in. I think he had something like 16, 18 points, seven rebounds or something. I'm, I'm trying to remember it all right Is now. Is it the 74-68 game yeah. in 2018-19? Yeah. yeah. Thurman had 14 points, 10 rebounds, four assists off the bench. Yep. Stud. Um, Caleb Martin led the team with 24 points on three of seven shooting. What about Deshaun Taylor? Deshaun for Fresno, Taylor. Fresno 30 State. points, 8 assists, 5 of 7 shooting from deep. Just, um, just 11 of 19 overall on the floor. One of the other, one of my other most fun games I've covered of Nevada was the year after that, 2019-20, Fresno State, uh, Nevada. I'm, fr- I'm sorry, <laughs> San Diego State, Nevada. Yeah. I mean, the... That the, was the Malachi M- Flynn game. Malachi yep. Flynn v. Jalen Harris and... Flynn just ends up saying, "All right, time to go home." <laughs> he just he just kind of takes over at the end, but it was such a tremendous performance by both of those guys, and you know that was kind of like the at that point in the year we knew it was going to be one of those two guys for Mountain West Play of the Year, and that matchup it did not disappoint. Harris was absolutely terrific; he came out on fire, and then Flynn was like, "All right, all right, I'm going to drop thirty, boom," and um, now it was a tremendous game and just a tremendous effort from Nevada against. Fresno State, who was nationally ranked, who you know would have gone into the NCAA tournament in all likelihood. I mean wait, that. Wait, are you wait? Which team are you talking about again? San Diego State. Yeah, San, San Diego, Diego State, State would have been like a one seed. Yeah, probably. I mean, it was one. It was prob like talk about a team that was screwed out of a chance to make history. Mm-hmm. That San Diego State team was deep, mm-hmm. but just played them hard. But Flynn and Matt Mitchell and. Yeah, I remember when we did the draft or talked about the draft a while ago. I remember that was the Malachi Flynn game where I was watching, where I watched film on it. Where I mean, he was just lacing Nevada in the pick and roll, like just time and time down. Uh, was not a great day for like Trey Porter, no. oh. or for 
uh, people who who are dropping on him um, or on Flynn in the coverage. But yeah, no, yeah, I remember that game. That was one of the best games that I've seen too. Another uh, really good game. Oh, this wasn't a game that I covered because I wasn't at the school then. But that was when Fan Matt would go to games. Um, was the Colorado State Nevada game in 2017? The winner of that would have been the I believe the one seed. And they would have had the regular season Mountain West title. They would have been the one seed for the Mountain West tournament. Um, I mean, that was the famous, not the famous, but one of the best games, probably the best game I've seen Gian Clavel play. I didn't see a whole lot of him wow. in Colorado State, but he was like really good. He dropped 30 that game. Prentice Nixon had 23 points for Colorado State. Wow. Um, Marcus Marshall, who's one of my favorite players in Nevada history, uh, had 21. Jordan Caroline had 23. Cam Oliver had, like, this crazy, I want to say, like, the statement dunk. I mean, he only had a few points, but he had this statement dunk, like, near the end, and, like, the crowd was, like, hyping everything. But that was one of my favorite games that I ever covered. Lawler was buzzing that night. One of the best atmospheres I've ever been to. Um, Nevada won the game 79-71. I didn't think I mentioned that already, but that was one of my, like, favorite games that I've ever been to i can't i'm trying to think of like a favorite game that i covered um while you think of that i just i'm glad you touched on that was that the 2017 18 team right no it was 2016 17 i'm sorry um that team was so it was was before the martin Martin twins came in the next year right no the martin twins were sitting out that year because of the ncaa transfer thank you thank you they that was the year before they played i mean that was when uh marshall was runner-up for player of the year that team was so much fun. That team, <laughs> that team was, was so much fun. And it was a shame, if I'm not mistaken, they got into the NCAA tournament, played against Iowa State. Yeah. Against, yeah, uh, that was that team. None other than Deontay the Burton. one and only Deontay Burton, the non-Nevada Deontay <laughs> Burton, and Monte Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Number, I think, was that a 6-11 matchup? I could be totally wrong. In that. Um, I may be totally I think it was wrong. 12-5. 12-5. I may, yeah, it was... I just remember... Sadly, picking Iowa State in that game, and I was unfortunately right. But I, I just, I'm glad you touched on that team because that team was so. DJ Fenner. DJ Fenner. Holy mo- That team was so much fun. I mean. I could watch Marcus Marshall. Over and over. Play again. basketball all day. I mean, so that. Good. His shot was one of the weirder shots that I've seen a college basketball player have, at least just from an aesthetic perspective. But. It went in. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And I remember watching a YouTube video a while ago. I think I mentioned it on here before. Um, but, like, he had a video where it was just, like, it was one of those things where, I mean, he was talking about his shooting. And he's just like, yeah, like, you just wanted, you always have to have confidence. And, like, at the time, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's just something I never thought of. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, you just, like, you, all, you always have to think the shot's going in, like, for you to shoot it. Shoot your shot. Like, yeah. whether it's one of whether you're one of 11 from the floor or 10 for 11. Like, you always got to think your shot's going in and you always got to shoot it. So I was like, wow. Like, at the time, as 16, 17-year-old me, I was like, oh, wow, that's a very good point. I mean, and then I, you know, I obviously played basketball in high school, but I, I didn't think about that. At least at the time, I was like, oh, wow. Now, now that thing to say. we're talking about, like, obviously at this point, we're just talking about, like, throwback Nevada basketball moments. I know we're the same age, but do you remember you're the team? You're a year older than me. I am, basically. I Wait, not basically. When's your I birthday? Am. May 5th. May 5th? Cinco de Mayo. Okay. For some reason, yeah, I knew it was in May. For some, like... Happy early birthday. Th- oh, thank you. You're going to be hey, 22. 22. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Um <laughs> We may have to do that. If someone's this far into the podcast and they heard that, <laughs> I'm sorry. But um, I just wanted to say, by like... By the way, for those who were still this far into this episode, give us a five-star rating. <laughs> give, us like a, give us a five-star rating, please. This hard-hitting analysis we've been bringing this whole podcast. But um, I, I wanted to say, like, one of the my earliest Nevada basketball memories was that... I, I don't even know what year it was, but it was Deontay Burton... Uh, Malik Story, Oleg Chiz, Dario Hunt. Mm-hmm. That was like my earliest, earliest Nevada basketball memory. Shows you how little I know in terms of my Nevada basketball history. But That was 
Was that 2010? Well, that was around that, was around that period because Deontay's first year, I believe, was in 2011. So maybe 2011, 2012. That team was a lot of fun. I went to, I think it was about three or four Nevada basketball games that year, and really fun. Um, that team was pretty well-rounded. Not the biggest, if I remember, not like the most high-scoring offensive team, but had some good size, played or pretty I mean, physical. That's a sector of teams. I think they played together more than one year. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, I, just I, remember, I remember going to, um, on my 12th birthday, Twelfth birthday in 2012, uh, Nevada played Bucknell in the NIT, and that was I think Deontay's sophomore year. Nevada won the game. I can't remember the score, but that was like when Bucknell had Mike Muscala. So I was like, oh wow, that was a that was a fun little uh, memory that I had. I mean, I think Nevada ended up getting just blasted by Stanford in like the round after. <laughs> um, but still, but it was just like wow, like that was a. Here, I'm gonna look up the score right now. Was Coach Fox the? The coach of that team? No, it was Carter. It was Carter, Carter. was Carter came in Babbitt's sophomore year, which was 2010. Um, at least I believe so. And then he coached until uh, 2014, and then Musk came in in 2015. Mm, that makes sense. No, it was... At least if my memory serves correctly. Yeah, he came in in 2010. Carter did. 2010. Yeah. No, just a lot of fun Nevada basketball memories and stuff. And yeah, Nevada beat Bucknell seventy-one or seventy-five sixty-seven at home um, in twenty twelve. Sweet. I'm not gonna say the date because people are gonna know my birthday. I don't know yeah. Know my birthday. But yeah, it was like kind of like a twelfth birthday present for my dad. I was like, oh wow, this is cool. Sweet. Yeah. You know they could easily just. Yeah, I know. Whatever. But... Um, and then Nevada <laughs> lost next round eighty-four to fifty-six to Stanford, which is. Hashtag not ideal. Yeah, not ideal. Not good. This is uh not good. But um hashtag yikes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have anything else to talk about, this, this has just been a kind of like a, a a little throwback podcast since spring sports are kind of coming to a little bit of a slowdown. Not a slowdown, but heading into some of their final stretch. So. There's a lot. Still a lot to go on, and or I mean, there's just a lot of spring sports. Yeah, it's going good. Um. I think football started practice this week, too, at least their spring practice. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk about another team with high expectations and lots of returners. I know we'll get into that in another future pod, and that'll be so much fun to talk about. Yeah, this football team is going to be good next year. Nevada football, like, released their schedule um, a few weeks ago, and we didn't even, like, we just kind of, like, brushed over it because it's not football season. Um I'm sure you, the audience, have already heard, but Isaiah, are you ready? Yeah. Run it down. September 4th. I mean, okay, so let me just say this. The times have not been released yet, and these are always subject to change. Um, but this is like how what it is right now as of April 8th at 10.30 a.m. Um, September 4th, Nevada is starts on the road at California. Nevada on September 11th, is at home versus Idaho State. On September 18th, they go back on the road for two games, the first one being Kansas State University. And then they begin conference play October 2nd at Boise State. They return home for their final non-conference game versus New Mexico State on October 2nd, or October 9th. And then um, on October 16th, they play the University of Hawaii at home. Then they hit the road again for October 23rd at Fresno State. Then they come home for two more versus UNLV on October 30th and versus San Jose State on November 6th. And then they travel to San Diego State on November 13th. They come home for Air Force for their final home game of the season on November 20th against Air Force, and then on November 27th, they're at Colorado State. It's a nice... It's going to be quite the schedule. Holy moly. It's a lot tougher than it was last yeah, year. We're going to have our work cut out for us, but I think this team's able to do it. I mean, that non-conference slate's going to be crucial. Holy moly. Yeah, it's going to... It's California's tough, Kansas State is tough, and they're both being on the road. I mean, it's going to be a test for Nevada. I mean, I know there's 
those two schools haven't necessarily been the best, but I mean, it's still a test regardless. Yeah, for a team that didn't leave the state of Nevada much last year due to COVID-19 issues. <laughs> big test. Big test on the road. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Uh, are we going to look back on that and just being like, yeah, that's a fluke? I hope not. Cause, I hope not either. But we're going to see. I mean, this team's got a lot, a lot in the tank. And we've had a couple big non-conference road wins like SDSU and Fresno State over the years. That's just translated to conference road wins. Not, not I'm, did I say non-conference? I'm dumb. Conference road wins. <laughs> So, you know, this team's got something to prove. It's it's going to be exciting. Yep. All right. Do you have anything more to add? No, sir. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Um, subscribe on the Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast at. Please give us a, um, a subscribe, a rating, whatever the case may be. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you.